Hello, fortune seekers. We all have bad days and dark times, and we just want to explore our darker fantasies. Our guest today, Jack Malakat, has a new game, Serial Killer, which allows you to indulge in those dark fantasies. Jack will tell us who deserves to die and all the ways that you can kill them. This and much more in today's episode of the Megamoth Studios Super Secret Podcast. Shh, don't tell anybody about it. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm your host, expert in delivering pizzas and bad news, Joel Watts, joined as always by... Danny, super ready to slice and dice. (laughs) And this week we are joined by Jack Malakat, creator of the new party game, Serial Killer. How are you doing today, Jack? Hey guys, thank you so much for having me on your show. This is such an amazing experience so far, so I'm very excited. (laughs) Well, we're glad that you're excited for the show. Mm -hmm. Super excited for you to join us. So on last week's episode, we we discussed our approach to balancing our game, as well as practical strategies for breaking up with your best chef friend. If you want to hear about that and the dozens of other topics that we've delved into, just go back into your uh, podcast app or go back into YouTube and watch one of those old shows. But today we are going to decide who deserves to die and how we're going to kill them using Jack's new game, Serial Killer. But before that, I do have a question for both of you guys today. Jack, Danny, are you ready for this? Sure. Ready. All right. All right. Well, okay. So for the question of the week, we're about to get your opinions, Jack, on serial killers. But what do you know about breakfast? What's your favorite cereal? Hmm. That would definitely be the... Kellogg's cornflakes, uh, plain ones. For oh, yeah. some reason, I was obsessed with it when I was a kid. <laughs> really? I, yeah, we put it on everything. <laughs> I mean, I well, what would you put it on? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah uh, I was just going to say, no yeah, cornflakes can be like an uh, ingredient on other dishes, like used for texture. Oh, no, yeah. Like, it, you can use it on a lot of things. But one of the things is um, in the Philippines... We have this dessert called halo halo uh-huh. and yeah. um it's it's like a shaved ice with uh, fruits and other preserved stuff in it and so the cornflakes would give it its crispy texture oh yeah. that sounds great so, is there it, a good place to get halo halo in in houston um i actually haven't been to any filipino restaurants here yeah we just moved here last august i'm looking forward to it so i'll let you know if i find one okay all right yeah please do <laughs> hit me up let's go yeah let's we do might it have to ask <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> <laughs> oh you, you know what yeah Kervin would know he's a local yeah, yeah. i'll text him i'll be like Kervin, <laughs> hook it up yeah well it sounds like something we can all indulge in when uh when i get back out there to houston here in like the next month or so uh danny what about mm-hmm. you do you have a favorite cereal from either lately today or growing up oh i'm definitely answering today and this is the cereal is quite impressive let me tell you how impressive it is it is 15 dollars a box and you can only buy it as far as i can tell at costco and the reason why it's 15 dollars a box is the number one ingredient is almonds it is called Morning Summit, and it is delicious, but it is expensive. So 
You got to gotta pace yourself. I have you a know. Costco card, so I'll definitely try it. <laughs> I, I highly I recommend it. it I was eating this keto cereal for a little bit, uh, you know, to get that extra protein. And it was like mm -hmm. $8 a box. And I thought that was like a step too far. Like I had to back off on getting that cereal. And <laughs> I just can't imagine picking up. A is this an extra large bag or is this like your plain Jane, like Raisin Bran style? Uh, it's two, It's a two pound box. So I don't really know exactly. It, it feels like it's a little large. But I will say the box is extremely sturdy. I have never had this sturdy of a cereal box. And I understand that I'm probably paying a little bit extra for the box, but that's okay. But listen, oh. if you haven't bought Cereal Killer yet, you should definitely buy Cereal Killer so that Jack can afford to try this cereal. <laughs> no, it well, sounds like a two pound box. I know, need... five or six. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's uh, What is the price point on Cereal Killer, Jack? Um, it is only 60 per box so it's very affordable it's nice not, yeah and it's very sturdy like you said so sturdy boxes you pay extra <laughs> for the for the box <laughs> well when you pick up a box that has the 15 dollar price point on it you definitely want to feel like it's it's hefty you want to feel like i can finish the cereal and then pack things away in this box yeah the box oh, would probably weigh half a pound already so that's absolutely two pounds. <laughs> well, I'm going to save it for the next time I move. Yeah. Next time I'm over, I'm going to have some of the cereal, but I'm going to need to like leave a fiver on your counter after I have the cereal. Uh, you you well, are welcome to, to try it next time you're over. Excellent. Well, uh, just to get my answer out of the way. And uh, I don't know. I have just nostalgia for the cereal. It was like one of my mom's favorite, but I love grape nuts. And it's probably like one of the, like it's, it is a rough cereal for your palate, but it is, it just hits the spot for me. Uh, you put some bananas really? on top. Yeah. I, I mean, I would have texture. expected great nuts as being maybe an answer to a question like, you know, what is the best way to kill someone? <laughs> but like, <laughs> as long as you great it nuts doesn't, <laughs> yeah, as you know, some cereals attack your mouth, like yeah. uh -huh. they're sharp or like they're, so as long as it's not one of those, like I'll definitely try it out. <laughs> oh, it definitely attacks. It, I don't, it feels like, I would say grape nuts, you know, and maybe this is where the name comes from. It's like if you ground up a bunch of grape stems, but not well enough, that's kind of the texture of eating grape nuts. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You got to like, let it sit there. You got to pour the milk and then let it sit there. Let it absorb the milk. Let it get just a little bit softer. Unless you're like a psycho like me and you just go straight into it and you're just like, yeah, take that mouth. I deserve this pain. It's probably my you know, I thought. Bringing. <laughs> no, I thought I was the only one who waits it out. Oh, for it to get a little softer. Yeah, yeah. I so, think that's a. I think that's a popular position. I okay. think you're you're in the majority there. I guess my sisters were psychos then because they just dig in the ball in the bowl, right, right up. <laughs> well, how soft nope. are we talking? Or is it like mush? Or is it like just a little bit of? Uh... I still like a little bit of crunch to it. Yeah, but, me too. But. It has to be like soft enough so that it doesn't attack your the insides of your mouth anymore. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it you sticks to your teeth. Cereal. Yeah, when it's yeah. when it's dry, it sticks to your teeth. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. You don't want bloody gums either. You know, just. <laughs> but to me, eating grape nuts is like eating a bowl of gravel. I don't know that it's you're ever gonna I, convince me on that one I, hey you know we're talking serial killers today so i figured i might as well show my psychopathic side by telling you my favorite cereal 
Cloud Bed cereal is a killer for sure. Dang. That would be a good um, death card. I'm not sure uh, if we can use the. I'm not sure if we can use the brand though. But... Death by grape nuts. <laughs> grape nuts. Well, it's no parody, more. right? You get like get away with it as parody or satire. I don't know. Um, sure, you can try. <laughs> no, when you when they take you to court, then that's the route that you're gonna go. But I, I on my cards, like I actually avoid um, popular stuff because I just didn't want to go through it, the the suing. Because okay. I don't have one. I don't have money. <laughs> <laughs> I can't no, be sued. I that's smart. That's smart. You gotta, you gotta take the risk out of the equation. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I think the we all got an idea of our favorite cereals, uh, the, from you know plain to uh, mild to wild. Mm -hmm. But let's get into you know let's get into learning more about you, Jack. Uh, so oh. you have a new game out called Serial Killer. Can you uh, let's just start out with the basics. Tell us about your game. Oh yeah. So Serial Killer. This is this game. I worked so hard on the research because, um, you know, they always say make something that you want. Uh, let's mm -hmm. say, like with food, make something that you want to eat. So with this game, I definitely made something that I want to play. Because mm. um, ever since I was a kid, I was already so obsessed with uh, the macabre, like horror stuff. Um, I grew up with horror comics. That's actually how I learned how to read. So um, with this game, um, if I can tell you a little about it, it's it's more like apples to apples, but murder. <laughs> so you, you pair death. Apples to apples, but murder. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, you, so, you, so you pair the deaths to the victims, and the victims... Of this game are the Karens of the world like the, the people who you don't even have to meet but are super inconsiderate or entitled or rude that they would just affect your day like for example the person who doesn't flush the toilet or mm. the, the person yeah, who straight to uh, straight to the, the gulag yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> or the person who doesn't oh, uh, double parks or doesn't use their turn signals so those people are definitely super annoying. So I I know a lot of people can relate because I myself like when those things happen to me, like I would just I just wanna unalive people. <laughs> I'm not sure it's normal, but <laughs> it's probably not. But I heard a lot of people say that they experience the same thing. And um so the deaths are super cool because they're actually the deaths that we all know from history, movies uh games books uh uh definitely pop culture so what is your google history like <laughs> oh i i was surprised that they did send the fbi guys to my house yeah, yeah i was gonna say because so you, you probably have a personal fbi agent <laughs> just looking over your stuff really like yeah and, and even, cat. i i even um i tried like using chat gpt to ask like what are uh -huh. some really oh, yeah. you know cool deaths whatever chat gpt literally just um rejected me like oh we don't do that you know like they had this message like we, yep. we 
<laughs> we promote positivity and this and that. I'm like, oh, I'm not welcome on this site. <laughs> oh, I, I feel you, brother. I, I had a really hard time getting ChatGPT to give me a script to hypnotize Joel into not eating eagles. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I, I wish I knew that episode of Thought in My Head. I want to say episode five or six. Go, go listen to the something random there. It's one of the best. <laughs> All right. Well, so Jack, you you uh, you made this game where you base so you pair up a victim, and we should maybe say not so much a victim as somebody who really just does maybe deserves to die with a method of killing and much like apples to apples everybody i guess has to choose or some, one person has to choose what they think is the most appropriate method of death for the person yeah or whichever is the most horrifying death or we all have different uh perspectives on how somebody dies so some people like it light some people like it real dark so mm, a yeah. lot of people definitely enjoy the game. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's the people who really enjoy the like long agonizings and the other people are like, oh, let's just get this over with quick. The nice thing about this game, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things where it's a good thing that, you know, our, our thoughts are private, right? I think everyone would be mortified if they knew what everyone else was thinking around them. I mean, not just like the dark macabre thoughts, but I'm sure there's all kinds of bizarre things running through each other's heads that would be mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. But at, at least we'd all know we're freaks, right? So that's good. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Because <laughs> when I presented this game to people that I never expected to like it, they mm -hmm. have they have stuff to say. Like, yeah, what, like, what? <laughs> like, like what so, are those conversations like? <laughs> I know it's it's so awkward because well, not so awkward, but sometimes it gets awkward because people open up and they tell you you know life experiences and sometimes you're not ready for it but i that actually inspired me to make more uh experience based uh victims like mm -hmm. you know more people who are rude or more people who cause trauma to other people because i feel like more than you know making it more than just a game it could be a conversation like the conversations that you have with your friends and family especially the ones that surprise you like oh wow like they have this dark side to them um i feel like all of those they stem from trauma or mm. you know stuff that they experienced and um i i personally believe that you should talk to your friends and family uh, about all the things that uh, you just bottle up inside because uh, that's that's the healthy healthy way to go um, based on experience. Like I, I, I know <laughs> that you know talking to other people about your thoughts is very important. What what well, kind of impact has has making this game had on your on your mental health in general? I mean, you mentioned having to do a lot of research into some dark subject matters. I mean, has this weighed pretty heavily on you? What what has been the impact psychologically? Uh, well, the game is basically my lemonade to the lemons <laughs> that were thrown at me in my life. But mm -hmm. when I got to the expansions, especially the gore expansion, because that, that one's based on real murders and, and history. Ooh. So I had to read like the serial killer encyclopedia and all the things that they did. And, you know, there are like some excerpts of the conversations that they had with the the detectives and 
-hmm. you just some you know but by the end of the day like i feel nauseous not even mm. yeah you know doing the research because i'm like this at some point I, i was even thinking like this game is getting really 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 dark because yes i'm getting material from uh the encyclopedias and and tapes and and videos from real serial killer interviews but at the same time like you just wonder like these there are people that do unspeakable things and they don't even blink an eye so yeah it did it did it did weigh heavy on me when it came to that stuff so i had to make sure that i balance it with uh lighter themes so when yeah so when i got the chance i did make you know a sex expansion or the truth or drink expansion is i think it's more fun and even on the torture deck where you talk about um different 100 ways to torture somebody i made sure that it balances the macabre or the the really gory stuff with something that you can still laugh about For the Just, torture yeah. expansion, do any of the cards say convince them to have children? <laughs> you know what? That would be a good one. <laughs> that would be I was a at good a work, work dinner the other night, and everyone was just like <laughs> trying to be like, "Yeah, they they don't tell you the truth of tr of having kids. Like you you're never gonna sleep again." <laughs> uh, I like I, I definitely you know like I definitely feel like there's some elements of torture torture with parenthood. But anyway, I digress. Go ahead. <laughs> it has, uh, it's the same thing you said for, for uh, childhood as well. Um, no, that, that does remind me like the, the, uh, research that you're talking about. It's like, I, I'm, I'm a listener of, uh, well, at least I have been a listener of like hardcore history. I listened to last podcast on the left and there are definitely times where those shows will give you, you know, unexpectedly turn your stomach. I remember the specific episode mm -hmm. of hardcore history where they did, uh, executions throughout the ages, entertainment? you know, like execution as entertainment, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I thought it was called like Painertainment. It was one of his one-shot episodes. Very good. But anyway, Very good. go ahead, Joel. Yeah, but, did yeah. You, but I was just curious, like, is that, uh, what, did you use any of those as research tools, like any, po uh, like, podcasts or videos on YouTube, uh, documentaries, things like that? Was there, like, you know, you mentioned the Serial Killer Encyclopedia, but was there other, uh, you know, sources that you went to? Um, yes, definitely. Uh, I did, well, even before starting you know to create this game i've already been watching a lot of uh docu crime documentaries so mm -hmm. some a lot of stuff really stay in your mind like you can't forget about it so all i had to do was just access it and I write it down on paper but um yeah watching all those things i which are this generation is very obsessed about I don't understand mm -hmm. why people, um, <laughs> I don't understand why they can watch those, like, you know, like people listen to it every night and watch it every day. Um, I wonder, I wonder what, what effects, you know, it does, or maybe it's actually because, you know, when people relate to it, it's actually soothing to them almost kind of mm -hmm. like a closure to personal experiences. Mm -hmm. I wonder. <laughs>
Well, there's definitely, yeah. they, you know, they talk about availability bias, like especially <clears throat> with terrorism, you know, where people think terrorism is more prevalent than it is because it gets reported on. So I think with just the sheer amount of true crime stuff and documentaries that we have, I think people think serial killers are maybe a lot more common. Like, I don't know what how, how, how what the odds of actually being murdered are um, and then like mm-hmm. what the odds of being murdered by a serial killer are, but I'm sure that it's... Right. Very rare, but <laughs> you couldn't tell if you watched uh, the programming on TV. It feels like 50% of of when, TV is murder documentaries and the other 50% is pharmaceutical mm-hmm. commercials. Well, if I remember correctly, there are only about 1,500 something recorded cases of serial killers from, I think this was from the 1920s up to today. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're not, they're not, there's not a lot of them. That's why it's so fascinating, I guess, to a lot of people because the stories are just crazy and um, it's, it doesn't, it's not normalized yet. However, you know, even if it's so prevalent in, in the media, it's not something that we, that we hear every day that some, you know, like, unlike like school shootings, for example. Like mm-hmm. we just hear it every day, so then we're, we're 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 not so involved anymore, and mm-hmm. so yeah. It... At the risk of sounding, you know, making you sound really unpopular here, do you have a favorite serial killer? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say not be. He's not my favorite, but my favorite story. So I, I definitely don't, I don't condone, you know, people hurting other people. That's for sure. Um, yep. <laughs> same, but, <laughs> same, same, same. Yeah, yeah. I think we should, we should all go on record. We do not condone serial killing in reality. Like, please, if you're, right. if you feel like killing another person and you're actually making plans to make it happen, please seek help. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, killing uh, people first and is foremost. bad. <laughs> killing people is bad can we all agree on that yeah. folks can we all give an applause <laughs> yes. for that one yes um okay. yeah so his story is my favorite only because i think it's the most store the, the the story that most um shed the light on uh unfair treatment uh when it comes to minority victims mm-hmm. Because with Jeffrey Dahmer's story, you know, most of his victims were uh, minorities, and it just shed a light on how during that time, uh, his era, that the police allowed it to happen, you know, the, mm-hmm. the neighbors allowed it to happen, or because people think that oh, um, they live in that kind of neighborhood anyway, so um, it's bound to happen, kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it's, but. If you think about it, like these are people, you know. No yeah. matter if you don't, you didn't care about these you know, groups of people. Like these are still people, and I, that's why I like that story because that it, the the world covered it, and they talked about how um, almost you know a lot of people even venerated him, uh, almost kind of like a a celebrity, but uh, what the world should really have talked about during that time was how minorities were being ignored when yeah. when they yeah when they're being victimized so yeah that's that's why i like 
his story not him but his story that reminds me of yeah go ahead, just uh just for context uh jeffrey dahmer specifically targeted like gay men like young gay men in i uh, forgot what city he was in in, Mil- was it in milwaukee somewhere? milwaukee that's in, correct and yeah. you know, he targeted young gay men and there's a classic anecdote or story about how one of his victims was getting away and dahmer you know was going you know basically was trying to drag the victim back into the house and the cops were you know two i think young black women were saying hey he's doing something nefarious and the cops who were there were like no he's just you know it's just a a lover's quarrel between these two gay men just let them go and ignore the black women it was like it's almost like you know, th- so many layers of discrimination and just n- these white cops not paying attention to the scene as it was and just wanting to hand wave away this this situation because they j- just were uncomfortable, probably uncomfortable or didn't really care about, you know, young gay men. Yeah, and, and uh, if I re- remember correctly, that boy was 14 and he was, uh, I think, Cambodian. Wow, that, yeah. that makes it so much worse. So the yeah. cops are just like, yeah, it's a lover's quarrel between a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> right. Like, what the hell? So like, they, believe, they believe that him, that, oh, he just looks young, but he's, uh, I don't know what he said about his age, but yeah, so. Yeah. This reminds me of, I don't know if you guys have seen Mine, Mindhunter, but like they talk a lot about uh, the Atlanta missing children. Uh, I think it's in season two, um, but there were like 30 um, young African American children that went went missing over a two year span uh, in the late seventies, early eighties, and it was basically largely ignored because it was all of black community. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, that's a huge part of of our history is is uh, minority groups being overlooked. Um, so yeah, I think it's real really a a cool way to look at such a thing horrible like Jeffrey Dahmer, um, and and kind of use it as an opportunity to talk about something that's more broadly wrong with our society. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think serial killers at their best definitely offer that. I mean, usually any of these topics of, you know, terror kind of like shed a light on like, you know, who we put our trust into and how do they, how do they get away with it? It's usually like a hindsight's 2020 situation where it's like, how do we not see this coming? But often you do hear those stories about, Oh, he could have never done this. He was so nice, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, may, maybe I should. Maybe we should open the floor on this one, Danny. Do you have a particular favorite serial killer? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I may, uh, I, I am, am quite partial to Jack the Ripper. Okay. Uh, he, he's probably the only one that Classic. I've actually thought of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that who you were named after, Jack? <laughs> probably. Well, you know what? My da- <laughs> I'm going to ask my dad because he named me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think just because of the mystery and the history and, you know, just looms large, um, you know, there's some pretty interesting things there. Very, you know, for, he was never caught, right? He was never caught. No, we don't know who it was. There's There's some interesting theories though. Yeah. I was just going to say that it's like something that people still speculate on. There's still people studying the case files and coming up with their best guesses. And it's, it's, I mean, it's as cold as a case can get that uh, like, there's no, like anybody who it could have been died. What? Like 
almost 100 years ago at this point would have been dead? Yeah, probably. Uh, there, so. there, and I, I, I used to know this stuff inside and out, but there was, I think there was a story about the first serial killer in America, quote unquote, first serial killer in America. And I might be making all this up, but, uh, but I think that they were active in Austin, Texas. And there was some like speculation and like they showed because of when it happened and some records like that there was like some potential that it could have been Jack the Ripper, which oh, would have been really? a very interesting turn of events. I used to know because I was like, oh, I got to write this movie. But now uh-huh. it's it's all gone because it's been 15 yeah. years. But the, mm-hmm. it was like it was in the days before uh, good branding by the media. They were still figuring it out. I want to say that Austin Killer was the servant girl annihilator. If I remember yes, correctly. that's right. The Servant Girl Annihilator uh, mm-hmm. in 1885 in Austin. Uh, yeah, I completely forgot about that. Thank you, Joel. Um, but I had read something about there being one suspect that they had done like the tracking of. And it, 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 they that person was in London contemporaneous with the Jack the Ripper killings. So. I don't know. I think that that could be, you know, that w- that would be insane if those were the same people. But those were brutal, yeah. brutal myrtles. Anyway, they have like much. commonalities. <laughs> That's why they thought that it was Jack the Ripper. I think just because they were just so brutal. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't. I, I'd have to go through and and look at victim, them. But um, victim profile, I think, was also taken into consideration. But this is yeah. definitely mm-hmm. like this is definitely in the realm of speculation, like deep speculation. Um, you know, there's, but I think it would make for a good if you wanted to adapt it into a movie like Danny was talking about. Like I think we had talked about that, you know, quite a few years ago. Like, hey, how could we turn this into into a really good movie? Um, and you know, kind of a western with serial killer elements, or you know, a frontiers movie with serial killer stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's potential for it to be a Zodiac esque story you know if you really take the historical you know approach to it mm. i think it could absolutely be very good but back to the topic at hand <laughs> what, what actually inspired you to to even make serial killer to begin with uh jack mm-hmm. like how, how did you end up making this game um it's so funny because i think there, there's a lot of versions in my head but i think the one that comes you know clear right away is um florida drivers because uh, <laughs> we lived in Florida for a little bit. Uh, that's where we moved from when we moved here in Houston. But um, every time we go out, like literally, even not even on the highway, it's it's such a traumatic experience to me. Mm-hmm. As well, what I, part of Florida were you driving? Um, Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. Oh, it's so bad! It's so yeah. bad. <laughs> That's, um, that's wild. That means a lot coming from Danny because, like, I'm on the phone with Danny, you know, quite a few hours a day of most days, and he's driving some of the time. And boy, you would have he would have you believe that Houston drivers are something like the Houston roads or something out of Mad Max. Just listening to him talk about how people are driving and to think that there's something worse out there scares the hell out of me. <laughs> Everybody who knows no. me well is just like, oh, that's because Danny's a terrible driver. <laughs> no, it's... I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> so in Florida, it's just really bad. Like it, when we came to Texas, I was actually able to relax now. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But so, you know, when, when they don't use the turn signals in Florida. Um, if Punishable they use, crime for sure. <laughs> and if they use it, 
it's the wrong one. Like what? Like where? <laughs> That's totally yeah. worse. It's, These people yeah. are driving like they're in a spy movie. Then tell me you're going though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're trying to lose yeah. lose the person who's yeah. walking. They've got a tail. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's almost kind of like, are you purposely trying to get us in an accident? <laughs> like it, it's crazy out there. So so I actually came up with the concept of the game while we were on the way to a Costco run, <laughs> and um, I, I remember it was. Uh, New Year's Day, actually. Um, and I told my partner, like, hey, I think I just came up with a game in my head. And then he asked me about it. And then he said, yo, you have to you have to write it out. So that's that's how it started. I started just uh, based on experiences, writing deaths and victims. And then I'm like, oh, I need more. So that's when the, you know, you go into a rabbit hole <laughs> of like it just murders and <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love that you have a partner who was like ready to, you know, support you and tell you, you got to do this. This is a good idea. Uh, that's always a great sign for a great companionship. Yeah, I, I would, I always tell people, because when they ask me like, oh, so did he help you write it or you know, help you create it? I'm like, no, but <laughs> he's, he's been a big part of it because you know, as a creator, you always you go through a roller coaster of emotions, and at times you just you question, like I said, even worth it. Like, I'm not sure if this is you know people are even gonna like it. And he was always there telling me like, no, I know, just just make it, and make it for yourself, and then you know worry about other people later. And that's how I was able to finish it this project actually. Such great advice. Yeah. I mean, you get when anytime you you endeavor to do something creative, if you do it long enough, you're going to start second guessing yourself. And it's such yeah. a huge, you know, uh, benefit to have someone who's in the trenches alongside you that can, you know, lift you up when you fall down and you can lift up when they fall down. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, there's really very little better than having a, a, a strong creative partnership when you're trying to tackle something yeah. as big as designing a game. Yeah, I'm actually a little jealous of you guys because there's two of you, you know, like you you share the load. Um, but with with me, yes, because me, well, it's probably like a double-edged sword because, you know, I'm doing all, all the creative parts alone, so it's harder on me. But it mm -hmm. probably actually helped that he's not part of it. So when when I need somebody who's objective about yeah. something, like even just for like, how does this card look like? Or do the lines, you know, like when you're doing so much um, uh, computer work, sometimes like your vision is, it really affects mm. it. So even if, you know, just asking like, is this center or <laughs> no, <laughs> like even just stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's very helpful. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, you got to have those special people in your life who are outside of the process that you can go and be like, am I crazy? Does this look good for me? That's my mm -hmm. brothers. I often will send them a group text and be like, Hey, what do you think mm -hmm. of this? And usually if they just say, Oh, it looks good. You know, like they're, they're usually pretty honest, you know, and they've, they've given me some, mm -hmm. you know, some good, I don't, I don't want to use the word ammunition, but you know, they've given me some good mm -hmm. like th feedback in order to help formulate my thoughts better or give me words to formulate my thoughts. 
Uh, Danny, yeah. do you have anybody that you like go to? Because like, who isn't me? <laughs> <laughs> who isn't? Me? Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you know when it depends on what it is. I think mm -hmm. like if it's art, and I feel like I don't understand what exactly is off about it. Oftentimes, I'll go to our graphic designer LD or one of our other artists. Um, and say, hey, can you look at this and tell me, you know, am I crazy or is there something off about this? And usually they're able to help better articulate it, as, as I think Joel was saying, is, you know, mm -hmm. they, they, they help you sort through your thoughts, verbalize them so that then you can make actionable feedback to really progress things. Because such a terrible feeling when you feel like something's off, but you don't know how to verbalize it because right, then you right. feel stuck. Like, how, how do I fix yeah. this? I can't even say what's wrong with it, you know? I can totally relate to that because some, you know, sometimes, you know, you create like, let's say an art for a card and, and I can't, I can't figure out why I don't like it. Why don't mm -hmm. I like this? Like, why am I not happy with this? But then when you bring it to other people, they definitely can tell you because they have an outside perspective and yeah, it's very helpful. So to anybody who's creating something, Make sure you have somebody uh, objective that can give you like just outside advice from what you're doing. It's very yeah. good to have it. On the topic yeah. of art, because you have an amazing table presence with the game. Where, where does it, is that graphic design that you hired out? Is that something that you did? What, what's the story behind the actual game design? Because it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. I. I take that as a big compliment, man. Um, no, I it's it's all me. So really, yeah, it's all me from the writing to the design of the cards and the design of the box. Um, it's it's just me uh, because I think we talked about it last night. Um, when you want to do what when you want something done right, you gotta do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think Joel clarified it for me yeah but mm -hmm. yeah i i have um a little bit of photoshop and illustrator knowledge so it, it came in handy but to be honest i haven't been on photoshop for uh, over a decade so this definitely i had to brush up on my skills but it was it was a fun process i would not have um, guessed that 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 i mean i could believe that you did it with you know if you told me but i wouldn't have believed that you had to brush up on your skills because i mean just at a glance i mean it just jumps out as being super well done um oh, thank you yeah so that's yeah yeah that's a big compliment <laughs> man oh <laughs> i think joel's got some uh some roommates uh jumping in on on the podcast here he seems like he's having to talk to someone off camera oh no that's fine no he's good we're, we're, we're definitely going to keep this in i love to keep in the the moments where joel yeah. goes a little bit off <laughs> Sorry, yeah, for, for the folks at home, I'm now recording from my living room. So my uh, roommate just came out. I had to have a little touch base on some, something really fast. But uh, it's, you know, but the, hey, look at the space that I have now and everything set up. But yeah, um, yeah. so I will say, and I haven't, I can't wait to get a chance to, you know, touch and look at your game completely on the table. I've seen the trailer that you released for it. Um, but yeah, I just want to take a look at those design elements. And the fact that you've designed everything yourself is, that blows our mind because at a certain point we were like, this is, this is beyond our skill level. And we had to, you know, bring in the, uh, the ringer from the outside. Yeah, but that's oh, a yeah. good thing that, because to me, I, like, I, 
what I'm trying to say is it's a good thing that um, you ask for help because sometimes you just do need we do need we need help but with me I had to question myself like can I actually do this or I'm just overestimating my skills <laughs> like or I'm just you know being super confident and ambitious like sometimes I mean I know it helps to be delusional when you're something but <laughs> it does yeah but the delusion man like you don't know when it's gonna end or when it's when it has when it started so I would, but, but I yeah thank you so much i really appreciate it <laughs> oh yeah absolutely you should follow your delusion until you're far enough into the process that you can't back out <laughs> that's that's where delusion gets you <laughs> i mean that, that's how you can uh, get stuff done for real mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like when you're too into deep and spent so much time and money and there's no other choice but to finish it so that could be a good motivator <laughs> yeah. one, one thing i thought also was cool about the design this is actually about the game design not not the aesthetic design but i was watching uh a, a video i think games with gabe did mm, um i love gabe uh, yeah, he's so cool. I, I've, you know, we we don't actually we haven't actually talked to Gabe, but he I like his content a lot, and he's close with a couple of of our our mutuals, Kervin and and Ben, mm -hmm. uh, and I enjoy I watching Kirvin him too. dance. And Ben, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're great. They're great. They I, uh, it's hard to it's hard to beat them. Um, I actually met, of oh, people so you want to kill. Yeah. Xfinity is calling me. Um, <laughs> is Xfinity on any of those cards? <laughs> Oh, you I know what? We can you, we can write it down would, and add a. Um, no jury you know, in the world would convict you for putting Xfinity on a card. No, you know what? Um, I just I just realized that we should definitely add the the people who call for the insurance people, like extended warranty. Oh, yeah. oh, hundred percent. How come and, I never thought um, about that? Oh my god, that was the some cable companies should definitely be on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your cell phone provider, most likely. Um, what I wanted to ask was, so it's a party game. One of the things that I think is really cool, um, and I saw highlighted in that video from from Gabe, is a lot of party games like Apples to Apples or Cards Against Humanity, it's very much, you know, you put a card down, someone chooses what makes the most sense, but there's not a lot of other player interaction. Mm -hmm. And I saw that you had, what I think they're called demon cards. Is that right? Yes, yes. And... So can you tell us about that? I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, so I, I put those elements on there, the, the demon cards, because I wanted it to be more than just pairing deaths to victims. I want a lot, you know, players to actually try to sabotage each other too. Because when you, when you, I feel like when you, there's the emotions running high, on the game is that's when you actually have the the most important conversations that you probably wouldn't have um if you weren't playing serial killer so yeah um <laughs> so i have a this is like a skip card like skip one turn and dismembered um, okay dismember so, equals skip vice versa so let's say if you got dismembered by one of the players in the game so you gotta sit it out and you skip one turn. Um, some of them are, this one, 
the necrophile card, I had to ask a lot of people, is this too much? <laughs> in terms of game balance or right. in terms of concept? Wait, is that is that in the sex expansion or is that in the base game? No, this is in the base game. Like, oh, you get all oh, these God. demon cards in the base game. And, you have um, to drive to a cemetery if someone plays it, or how does it work? <laughs> so, <laughs> so this one is um, you actually had to randomly throw away two of your cards and ex exchange it with two of the cards from the death, uh, the dead pile. Oh, so that's why it's the necrophile card because I like, like that dead dead things <laughs> i like that that's clever yeah. that's yeah. the kind of stuff joel and i are always trying to do when we're designing uh, x seekers is how do we how do we pair flavor and mechanics because I, th I love it when you do something in a game and then it's called something that kind of feels evocative and so yeah mm -hmm. i definitely could see how that necrophile thing gives you a little taste of necrophilia. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had to ask a lot of people, like, is this okay? Like, is this too much? And they were like, no, you're doing a serial killer. And they do that, you know, a lot of serial killers are necrophiles. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. so um, it's definitely on theme. And I didn't want it to, I didn't want to hold back. I had to hold back a lot, but I didn't want to hold back so much that what did it, you hold back exactly <laughs> if, um, if no i did on the show fortunately we're not monetized so you can pretty much say anything we don't have to worry about oh. that no no sponsors yet um no wait, i had to hold back on certain themes like rape uh yeah i didn't want to touch on those or like uh pedophilia i didn't want to touch on those um okay yeah. touche there are some things that yeah. probably no, so I had I had a toll back, okay. <laughs> um, well, that's good judgment there. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Then, there's just even even in a like there's certain things that just end the party, and those topics will definitely end a party. Yeah, yeah. And, and even so, oh, um, interestingly enough, some, uh, you know, when you send your game to uh, a lot of people, um, I had uh, feedback yesterday of cards that I have probably want to take out because it they said it's too close to home they know people that experience um, mm. exactly the same things or died of exactly the same things mm, and okay. and to me um i think it's touching on the core of what serial killer really is and, and i explained to them i said uh well that's actually the point of the game is for you to be able to talk about those things that you don't talk about because there's no right time or in the right setting for it and serial killer is kind of like a push so that you can talk about it and maybe have some clarity or closure to what happened and um that's just a hope for me i hope it doesn't they don't take it the wrong way. But Have you had any specific yeah. super meaningful conversations that that you could, you know, obviously don't tell us who it was, but like, mm. you know, any in, any interesting conversations that were sparked from playing with you? Um, I get a lot of reactions, uh, especially the the household theme ones where um, like the per the person that doesn't refill the toilet paper. 
you know, <laughs> like in your house, you know, stuff like that. Or the person who returns uh, empty cartons or bottles on the fridge after they consume the, what, yeah. the milk. Or, <laughs> I see Joel shaking yeah. his head over there. It's, you're re-traumatizing him. <laughs> I'll never yeah, so either confirm nor deny uh, those experiences, but what I will say is that I've definitely looked at, you know, certain, you know, like a carton of milk and thought, how much of this can I take without, you know, my per the person noting? Those are days. Those days are behind. <laughs> me, though, I swear. But, uh, for me, if you're me, and I'm sure you get a lot of this through work, a lot of inspiration through work. But for me, yeah, it's definitely like I work at a place where you know, everything comes in a box. And like, as you use the, as you use the thing, take stuff out of it, you know, you have to eventually get, reach that point where it's like, okay, let, there's no reason for the box. Let's take the rest of the stuff out of the box and put it aside and break down the box. And it drives me up the wall when I go to pull something and there's only one left. And it's like the last right. person could have taken <laughs> this one thing out and then broke it down the box. Now it's on me to do that. Or worse, they took everything out of the box and left the empty box there for the next person to have to deal that, with. That's that's the worst. Well, yeah, I experience it all the time here in my own household. So we buy um, uh, Ooh, white claws or trulies, <laughs> like those uh -huh. seltzers, because I like to try yeah. different seltzers and stuff. And we always mm -hmm. put the whole box in the fridge. And of course, like there's only one left, but the whole box is still in there. So yeah. That's that's my life. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hey, folks at home, if you get down, if there's two, one or two of anything left in a box, just take it out and then break the box down. You're going to be, you're going to earn so many points, or at the very least, you're not going, you're going to have so many points on your side saved by your your partner, your roommate, not like reaching mm -hmm. in and you know finding that there was just the one of the thing left or what have you. And you might find that it saves your life because you know as this game shows us, there are people who will kill you for it. Yeah, you know, probably in a brutal way. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, I think people enjoy um, throwing out the the most brutal cards too. I think it it brings the it brings the the fun in it because really like you would. I mean, I would hang them publicly if I had that <laughs> this public hanging. You know, it would would be surprised if those get back on the table at some point. I don't know if we're done with uh, the public hanging yet. I think we've just taken a, a long sabbatical from it. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> too public soon, execution too soon. might be. <laughs> yeah. Though, I mean, so... Uh, I, you know, it's like I work in customer service and for the most part, I've been in a really good situation at where I work, but I do know that there's a big, you know, those, there's those big things that, uh, that the times you want to kill your customers, but even worse yet, the times you really want to kill your coworkers. Um, Jack, were you inspired mm, You've never had a coworker job? that you want to kill, have oh, you, Joel? <laughs> no, um, I think just in the general, mm. like in a flight attendant work group in general, like all around the world. The person who sleeps on the job is the most hated flight attendant. Oh, yeah. does that happen a lot? Oh, yes. Because especially when you know them personally or you've had a connection, you've been you've known each other for years, even just excuse me, even um, just for being work friends and stuff. I feel like a lot of people well, well, these people, they they feel that they can do get away with it because uh -huh. you know them and i'm like um, but 
you know, like when you tell them like, hey, you need to be awake, like, oh, I'm just so tired and this and that. I'm like, but I'm tired too. Like we're mm-hmm. paid the same. If I'm awake, you should be awake. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And this Maybe usually happens. Maybe negotiate and... with him to sleep in shifts or something. Maybe that. <laughs> no, we can't even do that. I don't oh, think okay. any airline allows flight attendants to sleep while they're on duty. Okay. Well, longer that's, flights. That's they, fair. Yeah, longer flights. They have like nap areas where they they switch crews, but um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, domestic flights. You know, you're not allowed to do it. But, um, yeah, because to me, this happens usually when it's a late night flight or like a red eye. And it's understandable. Yeah, all of us are going to be sleepy, but you're paid and you're paid to be awake because that's exactly what our job is. So, (laughs) you know, now that we're on the topic of airlines, because, you know, this is I think people have a fascination with with airlines and aviation, like and and stories. Is there anything crazy (laughs) that's ever happened on a flight that you can tell us about? (laughs) Um, I I don't want to scare people. (laughs) <laughs> but I would definitely have the craziest experience be- and this would like every time somebody asks me what's the craziest this definitely comes to mind first because it is super crazy so on my first year um, being a flight attendant I was flying uh, lead so like it's almost kind of like a team lead on a flight it was uh, LaGuardia no somewhere to new york laguardia mm-hmm. and so when the we were about to land and the wheels uh came down and then i received a call from the captain and during those times uh you're usual you're not allowed to talk to each other anymore it's like they call it a sterile uh cockpit because you can't communicate with them. So they have to focus on uh, landing the plane. Mm-hmm. And so when you get a call from them, that's like a very, very, very bad sign. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you calling me, talking to me when you're landing the plane? You're um, supposed to be landing. <laughs> right. So the, the captain was super calm about it. He said like, oh, hey, um, we have a, a brake light turned on so apparently we don't have brakes um so we're gonna try to fix it on our end uh see what we can do but just mentally prepare for an evacuation like that's how they because we, we're required to say it like in super simple terms and no handle panic whatever mm-hmm. so i had to tell my other flights and i like my other flight sense, oh, this is what's happening, but you can't let the passengers sense that something is happening because yeah. you don't want panic in the cabin, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so I was thinking, um, oh, of course, this is going to be the day that I'm going to be tested if I know how to do my job. <laughs> and um, I, I knew... Yeah. <laughs> right and i knew i'm like well we're landing in laguardia if we don't have brakes then we're definitely gonna fall in the water because the laguardia airport the the runway is very very short you had to adjust my chair um 
so yeah uh so they what happened was they restart the plane while we're while we're up you know they they took the wheels back up they restart the plane and we were just gliding for about 10 minutes so it, just imagine like all the sounds that you hear normally when you're inside the ve moving vehicle gone uh -huh. like it's just silence and it still gives me goosebumps to this day but some passengers were asking like what's going on and we were like oh um we're just turning around because there's traffic i mean there's always traffic in LaGuardia. and wow and so, it was just silent and you guys were just gliding through the yeah, air yeah we were just gliding and, and but you know like while this is going on this could go real bad oh yeah at any moment oh yeah like and you have my, to act normal yeah Sounds so bad. It's, it's, yeah. So we have to do that a lot every day anyway, but this one's completely different. And my assistant flight attendant up front, she was super senior. And I still remember her name to this day. I mean, of course, I'm not going to mention it, but it's because of that, um, because we shared this experience. And when I told her, her face completely changed like white. <laughs> So I had to tell her, no, 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 no. We have to, we have to talk and um, pretend that we're having a conversation, but we're going to go through our checklist, <laughs> but we can't let, wow. the, yeah, we can't let the passengers know yet because yeah. the captain said, just mentally prepare. And yeah. I mean, obviously we're fine. We didn't fall in the water. The, they fixed the brakes, but when we landed, oh, there were so many um, fire trucks and ambulance in the LaGuardia airport. And, oh my God. Yeah. I'm assuming the, the passengers worst... at that point knew something was wrong. Yeah. But we can't say because it, uh, mm -hmm. in our um, work rules, we can't talk to the media when something happens. We can't talk to the passengers unless like the captain says so. So the mm -hmm. captain will talk to them, but we, we're not allowed to. Um, yeah. And so we landed and they checked everything and you know the maintenance came on and everything was fine for some reason so the airport manager came up to the plane and they were like oh are you guys okay like i'm like well no we're not okay like we need a break <laughs> like <we're, laughs> like who who's gonna be okay after that and you know what they said like oh well they checked everything and everything's fine so we're actually allowed to go on so i can only give you five minutes until we board so we wow. were, i know <laughs> so we boarded again um and just imagine the how much we had to pretend that everything was okay when those people mm -hmm. boarded the plane so yeah that was my crazy experience <laughs> my goodness i can't imagine i mean most of the time you know we're in our day-to-day -day work and there's not like the possibility of a mass fatality event. <laughs> Just like, oh yeah, things are going to go wrong today at work. Oh, 200 people might die. You know, like the intense <laughs> pressure around that. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. definitely something you wouldn't forget. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call out. Oh, go ahead, Joel. I was just gonna say it's amazing how the brain goes into like hyper aware mode and like all of a sudden you're you're no longer writing you know you're like writing permanent memories like you remember everything so crystal clear once like that that heightened reality happens 
Yeah, and you know what's funny? Like, I wasn't even scared that I was going to die. Like, my mind uh -huh. just went through the checklists. Like, that's, oh, I need my survival kit. There, right? Exactly where it's supposed to be. And my rafts are right there. And these people are going to help me out. You know, like... That's these good training. Are, yeah, but it's it's so weird like that. Like, I feel like we've been brainwashed to really just be safety 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 and all the fear that you feel normally if you're a normal person like it just disappears like fight or flight for us it's always fight it's always it's always flight <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's a fight or flight reaction with us flight attendants it's always fight there's no flight yeah yeah uh, no flight yeah yeah i guess I that's the pilot's know. job <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Jack, you you went the the Kickstarter route with Serial Killer, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, how, tell us a little bit about that experience of uh, getting ready for and running a campaign for Kickstarter. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, well, I wasn't. I never expected in a million years that this is going to be a business. Like I created the game because I wanted to have something cool for our friends to come over. And um, when my partner's parents visited, we did play it and they were the ones to tell me that I should sell it. Um, really? But, yeah. So you, know, wait, you played this with your, your partner's parents? Yeah, they were actually the first people to play the game. What was their reaction? And were well, there any cards with in-laws as the victims? No. Oh, you know what? I don't have in-laws as victims. Man, we can we can make an expansion out of this podcast. Just but, the family, um, the family annihilator expansion, and you just have all the tropes, <laughs> like you know the the drunk uncle, you know the in-laws, you know the. Uh, overbearing brother or something like that you know you could oh. you could have a lot of victims in the family yeah. expansion and family <laughs> annihilators a great idea. <laughs> family annihilators are um, on the rise they're hot right now <laughs> it's like been like the last two or three last podcasts on the left have been like family mm -hmm. annihilators oh my god well i'll definitely write that <laughs> um, so anyway you were playing with your your in-laws and or yeah. your your partner's parents yeah and then um i my my friend who's translating the game uh, for our Spanish version was there too. He was, he was there um, throughout the whole process. And um, so I, I wasn't expecting it. Like they, I didn't know that people were actually gonna like it because it's very, very, very dark. But my, my um, partner's parents, they were the ones who encouraged me because they enjoyed it so much. I, I, I didn't even win my game. I can't remember who won that game, but um, yeah, so that's how Kickstarter came about because obviously, you know, um, we don't always have money lying around for a project like this. And so I, I created the, the Kickstarter campaign again, all by myself, which is crazy. Like, well, looking back, I don't even know how I did it, but um, I have a question yeah. for you. So from the point you decided that 
you should have a Kickstarter to the point that you actually launched your campaign. How much time was that? Hmm. I think, oh, wait, uh, uh, January. Oh, it would, it would be like three months. Wow. Yeah, three months. Because I started writing in January and then my campaign launched uh, April 1st. Um, yeah, did you so have any pressure, issues with that? I did. <laughs> Fool's Day. I did, man. Like, I don't ever launch anything on April first. Like, that's the biggest <laughs> lesson that I that I got. You know, first and foremost, because a lot of my friends didn't believe it, and because the idea itself is so crazy, like a serial killer card game. Of course, people are gonna be like, "Oh, ha, ha, April Fools." <laughs> so yeah. the goal it's almost a little too novel funded. to launch on that day <laughs> right yeah the goal yeah. of getting funded in the first day like say goodbye <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh wow well how, how long did it take you to reach your funding goals and how far did you go past those and um oh that too so next time i create a kickstarter campaign i would definitely lean towards the the smaller funding goal okay because i i did 20 like 20k right off the bat so i have no uh -huh. knowledge like i i didn't know like i thought oh this would be enough so that i can produce it right it will cover all mm -hmm. the the expenses but then yeah i actually didn't get funded until maybe three days like the last three days <laughs> the campaign oh, oh wow wow so yeah so the entire time i i already was so defeated and i'm like oh i don't i didn't get funded that's fine i guess you know at least i tried but then again my partner was like well it's not over yet there's still three days and you know a bright idea why don't you swallow your pride and ask help from your friends because I never, yeah. that, that's my problem. Mm -hmm. I don't ever ask for help. Like I'm very, very, very proud. And yeah. so I ask my friends for help. Like, hey, you guys, can you help me out? And they were like, well, we were just waiting for you to ask us for help, but you didn't. <laughs> so we thought that you wanted to make it on your own. <laughs> and uh, I am just so blessed to have uh, really because I have a small group of friends, but these uh -huh. people are literally like my brothers. We're all like Filipino gay guys. Um, mm -hmm. And we've been friends since I moved here in the United States. So since we were literally in our early 20s. Um, so did they help out? They said like, oh, how much do you at that time? Like, I think I needed like like I only was funded like half, like from 20. So I only have like 10,000 something. And you know, okay. in Kickstarter, you you kind of need to just get close to the finish line so that more people will back you up. It's because it's like a waiting game. Like I noticed like when, when it, it will look like you're not gonna get funded, people are gonna start withdrawing their pledges and or people who are waiting to to pledge on your campaign they won't pledge because it's a waste of time for them because they know they, they think that you're not gonna get funded 
So yeah, the, psych- the psychology is almost yeah. like, well, if it's already funded, it's like I'm buying something. If I'm not, then it's like I'm gambling. But wouldn't they just get their money back if it if it didn't you didn't meet your goal? Like, why would they? Why should they withdraw it? I mean, won't Kickstarter just give them their money back anyway? I didn't um, even think the cards got uh, charged until after you know until the yeah. the campaign was yeah. over, and then they start charging cards. So it's like, yeah, why back out if it's if it's not going to go? Yeah. And those those are definitely the the part of the roller coaster that I felt like I was being kicked when I was down because well I did ask somebody and that's what they said like well you don't look like you're going to get funded so I'm just gonna fund somebody else which is such a me, weird yeah yeah and and th- those are the things that you kind of look out for because. Kickstarter acts like a, it's almost kind of like a, a hive. It's like a, it's like when when a lot of people come to your campaign, then it's it's just gonna rain, you know. It's it's gonna pour, mm-hmm. but yeah. if not a lot of people are paying attention to it, then people are gonna forget about you. So that's that's exactly so with the help of my friends, so I got funded. So then that started you know a lot more people coming in last minute to pledge and i got almost twenty six thousand dollars and my goal was 20. so and I was, you were at 10 three days before the thing ended and you you ended up with sixteen thousand in three days yeah wow so that's, that's crazy, crazy. <laughs> and oh and then i have i have to thank one youtuber um uh monsters that channel monsters mm-hmm. he plugged my game and it's giving me goosebumps right now because he plugged my game on his one of his videos and that helped a lot but the reason why like i didn't have a lot of people uh plug my game is i did send them out but the it was late from the manufacturer like i launched on april 1st i didn't get it until april 12th Oh my and goodness. then I know, like it's just a bunch of like mishaps one after after the other. Because when I got it, of course I mailed it right away, right on April twelfth, right. Mm-hmm. But that was the day that the Fort Lauderdale airport was act literally underwater. It got flooded, <sighs> so none of the planes can leave or come in. So my my. Uh, prototypes didn't actually get sent out until like a week later oh my gosh to, <laughs> to the influencers yeah so then they got it around like on the 22nd and then they need mm-hmm. time to like make videos you know so yeah it sounds like people don't sleep well during <laughs> kickstarters I'm, I'm not looking forward to that because i already don't sleep well so oh uh, i guess um, i guess you'll get a brother and not sleeping well with me i'll probably be up all night <laughs> Um, no, and you're right. Like joke, joking aside, like you really won't sleep well. <laughs> <laughs> what about after yeah. the Kickstarter? I mean, what was what was it uh, less stressful after the Kickstarter, or did did the pressure ramp up? I've heard that post Kickstarter can be worse than pre Kickstarter or during Kickstarter. Um, I wouldn't say like it ramped up, but it's. Com- like so when you conquer you conquered kickstarter and you know in a lot of games like you killed the boss but yeah. then 
there's actually a bigger boss after that like it's almost yeah. you're, you're back to square one basically because i you know yeah you already have sales from your kickstarter Mm-hmm. But after you fulfill all those pledges, what are you gonna do next? Like, what's next? So then you you face the entire world and be like, "Hey, I got funded in Kickstarter, and maybe you wanna buy? I don't know." <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a completely different beast. It's what it is, and um, lucky for me, uh, board game TikTok. You know, you guys are part of it. I found a very supportive community on TikTok and totally wasn't expecting that at all. So I'm just very happy because because of you guys um, and Gabe and Kervin and Ben, uh, Kevin, uh, you guys helped me out. Uh, Alex, Alex, oh my God, Alex from a uh, board, board, uh board games uh she she helped me out and um that's that's how i i got to sell a lot more copies other than the, my the, kickstarter yeah the tiktok community is such an underrated part of uh the board game industry right now i think Curvin talks about this a lot people don't really understand the power of TikTok. We were on a call uh, just a couple weeks ago where someone seems shocked that we would put time and energy into TikTok. And they're like, what do you even make TikToks about with respect to games? And it's like everything, yeah. literally everything. Yeah. I mean, this, this person, I mean, I think, I think they're going to be woken up to it. And I think working with them is going to make them realize how important TikTok is, uh, especially from a marketing standpoint, I would say. Um, I'm more of a YouTube person myself, but I will acknowledge, like, if you want to sell something right now, TikTok is the place to sell it. It is, it is by and far the place where people go to like actually get, you know, inspired to buy things like maybe what Instagram was a few years ago. And, you know, and I'm sure this person's going to be woken woken up to that fact, you know, hopefully through our effort. No. And, and I made that mistake too, because on my Kickstarter campaign, I never paid attention to TikTok at all. Like I was focused on mm-hmm. Instagram and Facebook and YouTube because I didn't know. Like I guess you just you just learn on the way and um because a lot of people were telling me like after my well uh, while I was doing Kickstarter and after like no you gotta start your TikTok. TikTok, TikTok. Like you just hear a lot and then I'm like okay I guess I'll I'll start. And then I'm, I was lucky that, you know, I made friends right away. And that's now like I'm mm-hmm. it, it, it's a boost of confidence. You know, when you when you know mm-hmm. people have your back and I'm going to have you guys' back and everyone's back as well. Yeah, um, yeah. we appreciate that. Yeah, it is a tight knit community when yeah. we all do support each other and, and care about each other. And I think you know, we'll do whatever we can to support each other because it is a hard industry to break into and, um, anything you can do to help other people get ahead, uh, will ultimately help us all get ahead because we'll be building out our, you know, we're the next generation. Right. And, uh, we have to stick together. Oh, and uh, speaking of saying thanks, uh, can I say thank you to the creator of my hat? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Please, let's show that thing off. (laughs) 
It looks really uh, nice. So one of my Kickstarter backers, his name's Preston. Uh, he owns this business called Pack Rat Creations. So they actually make 3D printing stuff and uh, laser cutting. So if anybody wants to, you know, uh, those little people on your, the meeples <laughs> on your games mm -hmm. or like custom dice or yeah, custom miniature oh. stuff, like he got it. Um, this man, literally, Preston, thank you so much. You're a master craftsman. Like, I <laughs> look at this hat. It's so crazy. Like, he just, he, he said, uh, he mentioned it one time and he, he tried to like show me how it's going to look like. And I'm like, oh no, I definitely need at least 10 of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's well, amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to talk to him too. We've we've got some backer rewards we got to figure out. So if he's if he's mm -hmm. up to cool things, you know, we should oh, yeah. uh, reach out for sure. Uh, we'd be into into that. Yeah, Pack Rat Creations. They they three D print creations. and laser uh, laser cut. So anything you you want to make, they'll make it. We'll add the links uh, in the show description to Pack Rat creation yep. so if anyone likes what they see they want to get in touch with preston uh you'll you'll be able to find the that info in in the show notes yay mm -hmm. definitely well speaking of like places to find you we should make sure we you get your plugs out of the way jack so tell everybody where they can find your game where they can follow you on tiktok and anything else you want them to check out after listening to this oh. episode or right now during the episode go to these links he's about to tell you Awesome. So on TikTok, you'll be able to find me at Serial Killer Card Game or just at Serial Killer uh, on TikTok. And then SerialKillerCardGame.com is my website where you can get signed copies of the game. Uh, you can also get the coffin boxes, which are heavy AF. These are actually <laughs> four pound boxes. Can you believe it? Oof. I I'm can. sure shipping's <laughs> expensive. On um, that. Um, we could we yeah, could so have I you saw... on just to talk about shipping. I think next time. <laughs> oh, the do's yes. and don'ts. Yeah, don't have a four pound box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but so you know what? Sometimes it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Oh, for yeah. sure, they yeah, look really yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. So I signed I, all the been... copies on the website. Yeah. Okay. And then oh, and that website is. It's, it's uh, SerialKillerCardGame.com. But I ran out of everything, like literally out of stock on anything well, right now. Um, but my, in, uh, my inventory just hit Amazon. So okay. if you want to buy the game, you can get these bad boys. I have no coffin boxes on there, but you can get these bad boys on Amazon and it's on Amazon Prime as well. So it gets delivered to you like super fast. I, I checked the other day, like it gets delivered the next day. So that's price. awesome. Yeah, definitely. And, check and it out. remind us again, what what is the price point for the um, basic game? Oh, that's right. So this is a $60 box, which includes uh, about what is it? 350 cards and a room for more expansions. Um, and this one the coffin box that you can only get on my website is 150 but it has all the four expansions and the main game inside it and you get a cool box 
You got to get it while it, the getting is good. I mean, it sounds I mean, like supplies are going to run out here. You've already sold yeah. out of everything on your website. It's only a matter of time before Amazon sells out too. So if you're listening to this, you better get to Amazon to see if you can still get a copy. And if you missed that, yeah, Jack, looks... when are you planning on getting more inventory in? Do you have a date set up? Are you ordering right now? Uh, so my manufacturer told me it's going to take a little bit for these guys to come out again. So I only made a hundred of these and mm-hmm. totally unexpected that a hundred people would want to pay for it. <laughs> so, but, but these ones, they're coming out soon. I'll, I'll say next week because I already have people who are pre-ordering. Um, but so to those of you who already pre-ordered, I have it. I just had got a, I just got a stock and, um, yeah, I'll sign them again. Um, and I'll probably have a, a sale for uh, the, you know, like uh, when you ship something and every, you know, it's inevitable that some some of the stuff gets damaged. So I have mm-hmm. damaged boxes, like they have like little dents and stuff, like on the corner. And I didn't want to sell them full price because I think that's just unfair. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm going to sell them on the website for really cheap. So watch out for that. Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a that's a good way to get everything and a really sick box. And honestly, mm-hmm. you're telling me there's a couple of dents in a coffin. I'm saying that's flavor. I'm I'm happy to to accept yeah. that. You know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, no, I think definitely you're, you're because... branding away from selling them for a premium. <laughs> <laughs> no, because everything is still intact. Like uh, on uh-huh. the inside, they're all perfect. It's just the some of them gets dented and you know the the non-damaged ones is 150 so i know okay. it's a little steep for a lot of people but um I'll, I'll i'll sell it for a really good deal so if you guys are are wanting to get a copy like watch out for it it's it's coming out next week all right as well yeah all right well it sounds to me like by the time this episode launches go to serialkillercardgame.com and see what you can get you might be able to get a deal on one of these damage boxes and honestly flavorful boxes um or (laughs) they're perfectly easily restocked all right jack i'm really glad you're here because um I'm a, you know, weekly I'm victimized by Danny's something random and it's just good to have um, a brother here to go down with me. Danny, why don't you go ahead and get to something random? I don't know what you're talking about, Joel. I never victimize you. This is always just a very respectful part of the show and this week will be no exception. So, uh, as, as people who have listened to the podcast, uh, probably have heard or people who pay attention to, you know, different people on TikTok. Sometimes we like to uh, like to do a draft, and I think this is a good opportunity to do a draft with a special guest. And since we're at Halloween, and this is ostensibly our spooky Halloween special, we Ooh. should do a top horror movies draft. Are you guys in for that? Let's go. I am. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. So, so the way this is going to work, Jack, we're going to get five picks. We take turns. Uh, Joel, I th- think uh, you had some sort of uh, idea about how maybe we could do a uh, a rotation that's fair. And well, there's uh, w- the idea of the yeah. serpentine draft, which would be like, uh, if I understand correctly, you would go first, I would go second, 
well, we should probably give first pick to Jack. Yes, first. Jack would go. Yeah, yeah. Be Jack our goes guest first. Jack. Jack goes first. Okay. I go second, or well, one of us goes second, and then the third person picks two because then it goes back to the second person, and then it goes to the first person. They pick two, and then it goes to this. You know, because we could either do that or we could just do a rotation around, like you know, Jack me you, Jack me you. But I think that th this is like often. The more uh, the more exciting version of a, a draft when it's more than two people. Mm. At least that's why I understand. Right. Let's do it. Let's start with okay. Jack, and then we can work their, our way to me. <laughs> Joel, you can be. This can be a Joel sandwich. Uh, oh, okay. So I'll be. I'll be in the middle. <laughs> cool. Well, that means I don't have to come up with two at a time. You guys are. You know, better start. Better start thinking. All right, All right Jack, Jack. Lead us off. Um, what do you got with your first I, round pick? First round pick. I would definitely pick the scream saga because Ooh. ever since i was a kid like for some reason like i just like in my mind or like when, when we're playing with other kids like i always try to imagine if i was ghostface or i was being chased by ghostface like will i survive <laughs> mm -hmm. that's a it's a it's a good question to to ask and uh <laughs> the answer for me was no i would not survive i <laughs> think I would yeah. go down pretty quick. I was too busy losing my virginity to survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so Jack, what do you think of the series uh, where it's been taken? Because I know like it's kind of gotten a soft reboot. I actually, I've only seen like one and two and then I just saw the latest one. So I, I probably have missed out on a lot. I was like, who are these kids? <laughs> right. No, the only reason I watched, uh, is it? four and five or five and six is because uh wednesday is in it uh-huh what's her name jenna Ooh. rodriguez yeah yeah jenna rodriguez no. yeah she's in no it. i thought it was or or tango no oh, jenna, ortega. Yeah, jenna ortega oh my god yeah and then, i worked yeah. with the jenna rodriguez that's why i said that <laughs> yeah good call no, good jenna ortega. I, can't, I can't get anyone's name right youtube youtube <laughs> thinks i should be into her because they started recommending her uh, like shorts uh, by her to me like very hard and i was like what what is it i've never heard of this person before i then i realized they played wednesday adams and then i saw him in scream and i was like i i get it but why me <laughs> I don't want to what derail this conversation, but last night you said that your type was grizzled old women. <laughs> really? I said a type, a type. Oh, yeah, yeah during types, but one type is grizzled old women. <laughs> yes, uh, we were playing Andy's game. We could probably uh, talk more about that in an upcoming episode. But his wife had done the artwork, and she had uh, you know done these wonderful renditions of these like you know an old an older lady who was like a, a ranger an older lady who was like the town's guard. And I was like, these women are, I don't know, there's something going on here. <laughs> Ins and out, out, Outcasts is, uh, is the name of the game. And uh -huh. uh, the, the studio is Game Changing Designs. Uh, Andy Notzel and Jen mm -hmm. Notzel. I'm sorry if I said the name wrong. I've never heard it said out loud. And pronunciation is not one of my, my strong suits. But Joel, what is your first round pick? All right. Well, I feel like first round picks, you got to go for the low hang, you know, the low hanging fruit. Otherwise, it's going to get all taken. So best Halloween film of all time. It's not even like my favorite, but it's right there on the table. Halloween, John Carpenter, first movie. Mm -hmm. oh, that is fair. I mean, I'll, I'll give you that. It's a, it's think, a good one. I was just going to say, I think that that's like one of those films. I just saw it for the first time recently. And it's one of those classic movies that is so 
it's it's so invented the tropes and did them first that you watch it today for me at least i watched it today and i was like wow this movie was must have been s just steaming hot when it came out but now it, but mm. now it's like almost overdone uh, just because so many other movies came out in its wake doing what it did and just trying to incrementally improve on it, including its own franchise. But the, the idea of just, you know, everybody's alone in the suburbs and the suburbs seem to be desolate and empty and nobody's there to help you. That's always going to rattle teenagers, you know, of uh, especially American teenagers. So I think it holds up and it's a classic. All right. Well, I'm going to choose with my first round pick something... Uh uh, a movie that is near and dear to me, The Shining. I would be remiss if I let somebody else pick The Shining. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the best uh, cinematography in a horror movie ever. Some of the most uh, striking visuals. You can just visualize all the blood gushing out of the elevator. The creepy twins. The mm -hmm. grizzled old women in the bathtub that Joel was extremely attracted to. No doubt. Mm. Ooh la la. <laughs> so how and does this we, work, Joel? Do I get, I get get to go again? or? Yeah, so that was your first round pick. Now we start second round with you, so you get your second round pick immediately. All right, I'm going to go with the alien for my second round pick. Mm. Oh, uh, tension, jaws in space, um, Sigourney Weaver being awesome, one of the, the first uh, super strong heroines uh, mm -hmm. in cinema. Uh, yeah. to, uh, to, to get a, a uh, I don't know, an action-ish role in the modern era. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot, lot to love about Alien. I mean, it's a classic design. We, I mean, uh, you know, behind the scenes, Danny and I were working with one of our artists and uh, on a uh, one of our cards that's supposed to be much more horrific. And at the end of the, you know, we're working with artists, we're trying to communicate, how do we make this unsettling? And I just had to default to saying, just H.R. Geiger. Think H.R. Geiger when you're making this. And the artist knew right away what we were looking for. The next thing he turned in was basically the take we wanted. It's just mm. that ingrained, that design of the alien and the great work of Geiger in making it. Was that before I, or after we told him anus skin texture? I think it was at the same time. I think real, that really brought it together. I really hope he took a look in the mirror, you know, peek behind. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just as a reminder, you just got to get those references in. Um, okay. Alien. That's a good one. And Danny, I think you sniped me on that one because that was in my, good. I don't know if it was going to come up next, but it was going to come up soon. So I actually had to think for a moment, you know, like you got to, like I said, you want to hit something broad, something big, you know, there's the classic franchises. But I have to admit, like when it comes to horror films, I'm a little different. And so if I start getting into the personal stuff, which might be more interesting, I'm not a huge like my idea of horror is, uh, you know, like a family Thanksgiving when everybody has a secret from each other. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not necessarily guy chasing me with a knife. It's it's like, you know, being locked in a room with people that I really don't want to have a conversation with. Are you um, telling us that your pick is going to be Meet the Parents? <laughs> you know that is that is that is more of a horror film for me. I was I was never that into the awkward comedy trend of the late '90s and early 2000s. It always made my skin crawl. But no, I think I think that the uh, horror horror film that is a recent classic that fits into that mold. So I'm going to go ahead and pluck that is Hereditary. Have you two seen Ooh. that? I have not. Yes. No, it's so good. It's in my cards too. Oh, really? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I will I won't plus. say because Danny hasn't seen that yet. Yeah, so okay, okay. I don't want to get too into it, but yeah, it's more of like the the horror of the fat. Like I will say, it's like it's the horror of being in a dysfunctional family is almost yeah. more of it. Like if Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like gentrified, <laughs> if that makes sense. All right, Jack. So what is your, so you're going to do your second round pick and your third round pick back to back. So what do you got on okay. your second round pick? Oh, great. Because I, I was torn. So now I'm actually, okay. I'll, so my second round would definitely be the exorcist or the exorcist. Ooh, okay. Oh, because I yeah. think that was the first movie that I'm actually, that I actually got real scared. Like as a kid, like I'm into horror movies, so I'm not easily scared, but that, that one got me. Yeah. Yeah. Makes complete sense. A creepy I mean, movie. much like hereditary, it's almost more of a drama up until the end. It's more mm -hmm. like, you know, just like there's just something bad happening to a family. And then at the end, it turns into a supernatural horror film. Yeah. It makes it much more realer that way. I'm just, just a like little sad because <laughs> I'm, just a little... <laughs> I'm a little sad though because I think the like the the prequels mm. or the sequels, they didn't really do justice to me personally. I think the the I've... original Exorcist is still the best movie. I've always heard a lot of people mm -hmm. say Exorcist 3 is a hidden gem. Uh, I've seen the ending, mm -hmm. but I haven't seen the entire build-up to the ending. And it, it might also be one of those things where it's like the director's cut is the gem. Like the, what they released in theaters was lesser. But a lot of people swear, mm -hmm. especially because the original writer of the novel, The Exorcist, I believe, directed the third movie. So you might want to mm -hmm. give that one another spin and look out for the, uh, the director's cut. I think that's really what brings it together. Okay. I'll definitely check yeah. it out. But uh, I've heard right, the you... latest Exorcist that just released is basically dog water. So probably avoid really? that one. Oh, mm -hmm. I heard the opposite. Really? Okay. okay. Well, yeah, hey, but take it was my from someone cutting it. my hair, and it wasn't somebody <laughs> I had like a relationship with. So I don't I'll take it for what it's worth. They yeah. had scissors in their hand, so I couldn't disagree. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Jack. So what's number three for you? Number three for me is a personal one. Uh, okay. The haunting, the haunting of Emily Rose, Ooh. only because that movie, again, is also more of a drama, and then it turns in, you know, like you can the family dynamics, um, and the the unfortunate thing that happened, which is the you know when she got possessed, it it definitely, you know, gives it a real spin on, you know, family horror. And also, I like after watching that movie, myself and my friends started waking up at three a.m. for some reason. Ooh. Like, cause you know, waking up at three a.m. and that movie is such a big part of it. And mm -hmm. yeah, so wake you know, imagine like you just got super scared about a movie, and then you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you realize it's 3 a.m. Like, why am I awake at 3 a.m.? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so definitely that yeah. haunting of Emily Rose. Uh, and movies like can it. make an imp a deep impression on you. And, you know, mm -hmm. I have I have a theory that we always kind of know what time it is, especially after a certain age. So maybe it was just subconsciously got into you and your brain, you know, 
played like played some tricks on you and your friends but that's amazing that it happened to everybody that's almost like a ouija board experience where yeah. it's like everybody swears that nobody was moving the dial yeah or the that, that's, why it's, <laughs> that's why it's so scary and we were all like maybe 16 17 at that time mm -hmm. so of course like the scare factor to something like that happening is like 10x to a teenager oh yeah <laughs> I mean, you could probably make a horror film just out of the experience of of like a, a, a horror film being watched at a sleepover, and then the kid the kids just sort of like building it up in their head and almost having a uh, a like a, a mass hysteria or a shared hysteria together because of how scared the the movie made them. Hmm. That would be a great kids so. on bike type of movie. All right, okay. Joel, your third round pick. What's it going to be? Uh, how many kids will be on bikes? <laughs> I know. I almost. I almost thought maybe I should. I should lean into the kids on bike trope. But I really. I. I really. After. After choosing Halloween, that was like the easy pick. I think I got a big one on the board. I don't. I think I'm just going to try to pick from the heart from here on out. That said, well, hmm. Let me think. This is a movie that I've only seen once as a child, but it was like that kind of movie that seared itself in my brain forever. And, you know, it was like on HBO at my dad's house. I watched it with my stepbrother and it just never left me. And it's not a, it's, it's like the, so it's another John Carpenter film. And it's one of his movies that I think has gotten a little bit of love, but not nearly the amount of love that like uh, some of his other movies have gotten in the past few years. And it's called, in the mouth of madness and i think it's the first film that really introduced me to the idea of like hard nihilism um just you know uh cosmic horror things like that it, it was about a writer like the main villain of the movie is a writer who's writing reality and at the time i still i mean i like at the time i thought i was going to be the kind of writer who sits down at a typewriter and types out a novel you know, very Stephen King-esque, you know, kind of thing. So it really kind of like almost gave me a weird sense of like the the craziness of the power of the written word and, you know, messing with people's imaginations. Uh, Sam Neill is in it. And so I'd only known him from Jurassic Park. So this is like the second role I'd ever seen. I didn't realize that the, he was usually cast as like a little bit of a scumbag. <laughs> you know? So it was a de definitely a departure. It was like one of those movies that sort of like shatters your like nine, 10 year old reality when you see it as a child. So I think mm. from the heart, I have to choose In the Mouth of Madness by John Carpenter. Oh, that's very cool. My uh, my cousin Maggie was talking about this last time I went to see her. I guess they watch it every year. So I'll have to definitely oh, wow. check it out. Yeah, mm. please do. We should watch I'm it together. Have to check it out too. Nice. <laughs> Let's do it when you're, when you're in town. All right. For my third pick, I am going to take Rosemary's oh, I Baby. Think, I think this mm. is four, Danny. Am I wrong? Is it? Yeah, but no, for me, it's number three. Oh, okay. Uh, the Serpentine. It's, it's three, all four, about the snake, yeah. Joel. It's all about the I snake. I know. I'm the, one who, I'm the one who pitched this. <laughs> all right. Sorry for stepping Just on you. How that, about you? Your that? next one has to be Anaconda. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rosemary's Baby, uh, Roman Polanski. Um, we're not going to go too deep on him. But mm -hmm. I just really like the, the psychological tension. I like the, the paranoia. The feeling that everyone is against you um, is just a very, very well-made movie, top to bottom, and uh, mm -hmm. I, I consider it a classic. Mm -hmm. And for my fourth pick, because that's how this works, I am going to choose probably one of the most influential movies of all time, 
although not particularly well protected on the copyright front, Night of the Living Dead. Uh. And uh, this is probably one of the most impactful films on our, our modern culture, given how obsessed our society seems to be with zombies. Um, mm. I, uh, I have to give Night of the Living Dead its, its due. So. Did you see that? I think it was Criterion actually did a full-fledged like restoration because the uh, copyright was so you know non-enforceable, or ba basically it was public domain. The movie had gone decades with people releasing it constantly, but nobody doing the treatment of remastering it, cleaning it up, and everything like that. And finally, Criterion stepped in with and uh, cleaned up the negative or, you know, found the best prints they could, cleaned it up, and have released, like, a pristine, great sound, great picture version of the movie. And it's, like, one of those beautiful black-and-white films that really benefits from that cleaning process because you forget how clean and modern black-and-white looks when it's when it's brought up to date, when it's cleaned up like that. It it You would swear that it was shot yesterday when they do a great job Ooh. on black-and-white. I'll have to check that out. I love a good black-and-white film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely get definitely revisited it if you haven't recently because you can find the pristine version now. Mm. All right, Joel. So number four is Anaconda. Is that what you said? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I'm, I'm I fear that I'm playing favoritism. You know what? I, I I'm going to risk. I'm going to risk what I think should be my number four pick with more of a one from the heart and one that I want to rec recognize. Man, there's a lot of horror films out there. They all have like different settling qualities on you, but there's a certain name in filmmaking in general who it's almost debatable if his films are horror films, but they definitely have horrific moments in them. And the man is David Lynch. And I feel like my mm. list would be incomplete without a David Lynch film on it. So I'm really trying to think. I've seen most of his movies, most of his like core movies on the big screen at this point due to working actually at Austin Film Society. I'm wearing my shirt. This is the shirt I got as an employee of Awesome Film Society. Nice uh, I was a bartender shirt. there. Yeah, and the thank you. They they yeah, I felt really proud. I have like two or three of these uh, different color schemes. I think I have a red and black one too. I'll wear that next time. Um, but uh, through my experience there, I got to see like like I said, most of his films on the big screen. And I'm trying to think which one left me feeling the most strange, the most weird, the most sick, walking out of it. And I think I have to give it to like one of his lesser films, at least lesser in popularity, Lost Highway. Mm. Lost Highway definitely gets under your skin. It gets weird, but I think it really makes sense when you think of it through the perspective of, are you even the same person after you kill someone? Does that, does the act of killing somebody so thoroughly change yourself and your perception of yourself that you actually become a new person? And that's sort of the question that David Lynch is wrestling with in that film. And he, you know, uses his dream logic to really take it to the extreme in that movie. And there's just so many unsettling scenes. He used a young Marilyn Manson in a very, you know, before Marilyn Manson was a household name in a very just, you know, wild cameo um, that really showed that he could see like what was going to be special about that performer. And, um, yeah, Patricia Arquette is in it and she is just wonderful as like the almost Hitchcockian, um, femme fatale 
or them who gets fatalled, if you will. So <laughs> definitely check that one out. It's it's uh like I said, it has it doesn't have as big of a reputation as like Wild at Heart or Blue Velvet, but I think it it almost creates a trilogy with those two films of like you know, uh like the through the looking glass on murder and mayhem. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've got Lost Highway. Jack, what's your number four? My number four is travel related. Ooh. And it's hostile. <laughs> Have you yeah. guys seen it? Oh my god! Torture yes. porn. Yeah. <laughs> Eli because, um, I, I, I mean, obviously, I love to travel, and I never stayed at hostels because of that movie. <laughs> and, and in real life, hostels are actually really, really nice. So, um, no, lately, I, I would, I never really mind. I would never mind staying at hostels now. But when I was younger, I I thought that it was really dangerous to stay at hostels because of that movie. So especially in the country where I don't speak the language. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, you, you never. I, I remember when that movie came out, I was like, well, I guess I'll never stay at a hostel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, yeah, that was an extreme version of it. But hostels are actually mm-hmm. really nice these days yeah like a lot less torture yeah it's amazing how a movie like one movie that is like going out of its way to like tell a tall tale can you know make you completely flip there's a movie that's on my mind that i I almost don't want to bring up because out of fear of it being picked but i'm just going to say it like my stepdad does not like going into the ocean because of jaws he is afraid of the ocean and he saw yeah. Jaws. He's of the age to seen it when he was young enough to where it was just, nope, no more. And it's like that, you know, and you'll, you like, if you look at statistics, shark attacks are very rare. One, <laughs> but, yeah, about 10, 10 or less a year. Mm-hmm. People getting killed but, by sharks. But it, it's sort of like the serial killer thing. You, it's, it's fascinating. It's horrifying. And you like, once it happens, a spotlight goes on it and everybody thinks it could happen to them. Yep. They're far more likely to be murdered by a human as a shark okay. than the other way around. Yeah. Or die from obesity. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. That is, talk about what's coming for us all. <laughs> anyway, so Jack, right, uh, so did you have anything five? else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, did we, have, did we, do we pick four each? Uh, oh, no, we do five. So this is your last pick. Okay. This is mm-hmm. the, this is the crown jewel. Oh, shoot. I don't, Probably not. Um, One's probably. <laughs> well, this my well. It, this is a film where it really. It changed my perspective on trains. Um, it's called the Mid Midnight Meat Train by Clive Barker. Um, oh. Yeah, because I used to live in Chicago, and that I think that uh, movie was based on New York. But mm-hmm. you know we have very different. I mean we have very similar. Uh, train systems so and you know especially when I was still a flight attendant well no when when I was still in Chicago as a flight attendant um, you know sometimes you you go on the train for like at 2 a.m. you know and you would wonder like oh what kind of people are going to be on this train and um, yeah the midnight meat train have, have you guys seen it I haven't sounds it's, real creepy either it's like a special car where like mm-hmm. this car, whoever's in it at a certain time in the night, it diverts to 
a different tunnel and then they get taken and and murdered and fed Ooh. to fed to some monsters that live under the ground kind of oh, thing. wow <laughs> Ooh, I'm, yeah. that's very and that was clive barker right yep yep mm -hmm. yeah. um and i'm into that i'll uh, you'll see when we get to my final pick i've i've got a very similar similar yeah. type of uh theme going on there if joel doesn't snipe it but i really doubt he will <laughs> Well, I will say his, uh, Jack, your answer has inspired me. I'm almost wanting to take this one, take one that now I'm worried that Danny has it and it's not necessarily yeah. my, it's not necessarily, it's like, I'll, I'll let the audience know. Like I, I definitely enjoy horror films, but they never are like my favorite. That's not my main genre. So I am kind of like scratching the back of my head and I'm just going to say, since it's left on the table, it's, you know, it's considered, yet again, a classic. I'm almost surprised nobody picked it, but I think we all have diff very different tastes in horror films, I'm noticing. So I might as well <laughs> represent, you know, what I, if, you know, somebody walks in and says, aside from The Shining, I think Shining is, uh, the uh, Shining and Alien are the biggest ones that got sniped from me um, that I would have said. But I'm going to go with one more Carpenter. I'm sure anybody who's out there, like uh, considering the two I've already picked, the third one, it got to be the thing. Oh, John yeah, yeah. His remake of the thing is just something special. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. It's, it has a really good quality of still feeling like an action adventure kind of movie while still keeping you paranoid and grossed out at times. And he knows how to, uh, if you want to see a great example of how to raise, raise tension to the maximum level, then cool it off just to get, just to get your audience like, you know, prepared for a jump scare that they didn't realize was going. You got to watch the blood test scene from the thing that will, mm. that's almost a masterclass in how to write a scene to ratchet up tension to the maximum degree, and then let your audience think they're off the hook for just a moment before mm -hmm. you really slap them in the face with what, you know, with the horror that's coming. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. I forgot yeah. that I meant to say the thing that was actually going to be, there's just so My many. Number two. There's so many good ones. <laughs> yeah. I, I, one but, last thing I love about the thing really quick before we move to your final pick, Danny, is yeah. uh, they, at the beginning of the film, they go to the Norwegians' uh, camp, you know, their, uh, their base, and it's burned down, torn up, just disheveled completely inside. And what I thought was genius and just a great way of being economic with your budget and your, uh, you know, shooting days is what they did is they just shot that scene last and they used the same set they had that they had just destroyed. Uh, they just reset it a little, but they basically all the destruction they did to their main set, they just got to reuse it because it basically was like, what happened at this base to the Norwegians. I think it's the Norwegians. I'm probably going to get corrected in the comments. If you remember, correct me in the comments. Uh, you know, the, what, what happened to them is going to happen to our main characters. I love it when you get this preview of what the movie is going to take you through and you don't even realize you're going through it at the time. It's like the movie setting out its thesis statement right in front of your nose. Yep, yep. It's a good one. It's one of the best of all time. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to give you my last one. So this one, <laughs> this one's interesting and unique because it's one of the, the horror movies that scared me the most. 
Uh, you know, we all have those movies that keep us looking over our shoulder for way too long. Mm-hmm. But I never saw this one. So <laughs> this was purely off what my mind conjured off of the trailer. And the movie is Jeepers Creepers. When I was in high school, I remember walking home from the bus every day, looking around because I felt like, you know, there was like going to be whatever that monster was looking for a meal. Because uh, I think that like in the in the trailer, they're like throwing bodies down like a like a, I don't know, like a hole in the ground to feed the thing. Oh, um, God. It was uh, it was it was it was a long walk home. Uh, and I definitely Wait, you <laughs> used ahead. to live by cornfields no I was in the middle of the desert it had nothing to do with anything in the movie I just was like super paranoid oh. <laughs> yeah because that was a, like a, a farming town yeah, yeah I was walking but... through like a subdivision in, in the middle of the desert I mean when wow. we were kids like we're we're just thinking of things that, that would come out and you know get us for some reason why do we do that to ourselves I don't know. I think I was a little old for, for that, though. I think I was probably like 15 or 16. Oh, man. You're never too old to get a good scare, aren't we? But that actually brings up a great, a great ob- I, I, you know, I would say observation, which is the scariest horror film is probably the one you didn't see all the way through and that you saw as mm-hmm. a kid, like through, you know, like covering your eyes or walking yeah. out of your bedroom while your parents were watching a movie that you were too young for and just catching a few scenes back to back though those are ultimately going to be the scariest i i don't you know obviously i'm out of picks but i don't know this movie i think it was a vietnam war movie or something i've never been able to find it but i just remember seeing um like just a scene of a battle i think it's like these these soldiers are trying to save somebody who's trapped in a house but they can't pull them out and they know that the house is about to be bombed and they're screaming at each other they're trying to do their best and i don't think it turns out well but just you wow. saying that reminded me, like that scene, like kind of flashback. And I almost never want to see that film. I would rather it just <laughs> remain that kind of memory. Like this just, I just saw one scene and it freaked me out and I had to leave the room. Oh, Terminator 2, the scene where he puts the 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 like sword hand or the knife, the blade hand through the mouth. Uh-huh. That yeah. freaked me out as a kid. I saw that when I was five. That scarred me. And then... <laughs> I somehow, again, I never saw it, but the whole idea of Chucky scared me a lot as a kid. And there's a real long period of my life as a kid that I was like constantly, you know, keeping an eye out for Chucky. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we got to keep an eye out for Chucky, but we also have to keep out an eye out on the time. Um, And I think we've been (laughs) recording for a good long amount. So we should probably be getting out of here. So before we go, why don't we just really quick one last time, Jack, because, you know, maybe the folks have gotten to the end of the episode and they're like, oh, wait, I forgot. What did he say his his TikTok was again? Why don't you give oh. us your plugs <laughs> one more time? Yeah, of course. It's uh, at Serial Killer Card Game on TikTok and Instagram. Or you can tag me as at Serial Killer, uh, all capital letters on TikTok. You can find signed copies at SerialKillerCardGame.com. Uh, and you can all, if you want fast shipping, you can get them from Amazon. So nice. these babies are available on Amazon and, uh, not just for Halloween, you guys, like this is a good Christmas gift for, you know, people in people in your lives that, that like, uh, serial killer stuff or crime documentaries or even just mm-hmm. dark stuff. Yeah. I've, I've had people who already ordered, uh, several copies for Christmas. So. It's a great gift. 
Absolutely. Nice. This would be awesome. A great gift, mm -hmm. great stocking stuffer, great coffin stuffer, stuffer, <laughs> stuffer. All right, yeah. Joel. <laughs> I'm slurring my words, and I'm we not. Probably should be getting out of here. Well, Danny, before you slur any more words, just really quick, did we? Uh, was there anything we needed to mention to the audience? Uh, just uh, Joel's type is grizzled old women. All right then. Well, Danny, thank you very much. Uh, you have been Danny. This has also been uh, Jack uh, Malakat, and I have been Joel. Here to remind you that you must start somewhere. So why not here? Thank you so much for listening. Everyone who died during this episode deserved it.